Transmitting from the Mojave Wilderness in Joshua Tree, California, now is the time for Desert Oracle Radio, the voice of the desert. Death Valley at 108 Fahrenheit is tolerable. You can walk around even if it's mostly between the pool and the bar in your hotel room at Furnace Creek. People pose with the digital temperature display outside the National Park Visitor Center and there are plenty of signs warning you not to attempt a midday hike. Not to leave your kids or dogs or grandma in the car. The nights are usually dry and reasonably pleasant. It's a novelty, mostly. You're in the hottest part of the Mojave Desert, surrounded by chocolate-colored mountains you know from television and movies. Star Wars, especially, because you're on Tatooine. There's even a cantina full of weird bikers and foreign tourists and occasional English accent bar brawls. Black Sabbath bassist Geezer Butler got in a drunken fight with some Beverly Hills characters in January 2015, right there in the Corkscrew Saloon. He woke up in the Inyo County Jail, the same jail that briefly held Charles Manson and two dozen members of the family after their 1969 arrest at Death Valley's Barker Ranch. The daily temperature in Furnace Creek on the valley floor is occasionally much hotter than 108. For more than a century, Furnace Creek Ranch has held the record for the hottest temperature ever recorded on planet Earth. 134.1 Fahrenheit on July 10, 1913. This record, like the long-doubted 1922 claim of 136 in the Libyan desert, has since been questioned by the meteorologists who obsess about such things. But Death Valley also shares the undisputed world heavyweight high temperature reading of 129.2 Fahrenheit. Shared with a weather station outside of Kuwait City that recorded the same temperature in June 2016, three summers after Furnace Creek's new record. It is notable that both of these highs occurred during our present decade. The hottest places are rapidly becoming much hotter. Death Valley earned another heat record over the long, hot summer, July 2018, and Furnace Creek was the hottest month ever recorded anywhere on Earth, with an average daily temperature of 108.1 Fahrenheit, half a degree hotter than the previous July just a year ago. And the records keep falling. Furnace Creek recorded 120 degrees on September 8, 
beating the old 118 Fahrenheit record from just 10 years previous. Around the world, century-old records are dropping like flies, and in the sprawling desert cities of the West, Phoenix and Las Vegas and the fast-growing Coachella Valley metropolitan area of Palm Springs and Palm Desert and other desert cities. The temperatures are not novelties. People fall over dead doing routine things, yard maintenance, playing golf, a short walk to work or to the store. The busiest hour at urban dog parks and the desert summer starts at 5 a.m. When the sidewalks are crowded with joggers panting in the 100-degree darkness. We are the gloomy, nocturnal, off-world colonist in Philip K. Dick books now. Spending most of our lives burrowed in narcotic fog, consuming entertainment that shows a world now nearly gone. Snowy mountains, wildlife herds, breezy beaches with cool ocean waters. As the crushing triple-digit heat waves in San Francisco and Los Angeles and San Diego have shown us again this year... You no longer need to travel to Death Valley for record-high temperatures. On July 6, it was an insane 111 degrees Fahrenheit at UCLA in Westwood. These record highs come with numbing regularity now as a generation uncomfortably learns that the old California is gone. The old California where air conditioning was either an unnecessary luxury or something they put in the tract homes to make life bearable out in the valley or inland empire. Los Angeles and the San Francisco Bay Area are woefully under-equipped for the global warming that is well underway. Drought has killed off the trees that once shaded and cooled the bungalows and the ramblers. The home improvement chains run out of fans and window units. The sea breeze that kept coastal towns and suburbs cool in summer just doesn't do the trick anymore. Persistent high pressure offshore and searing city temperatures add up to nights too hot for sleeping, days too oppressive for the holy outdoor lifestyle of California legend. And it's hard to do much outside when everything's on fire, when the air you breathe is always heavy with smoke and bits of burning matter. We are living in an oven that can't be turned off. It'd be nice to have a clear mission in life, wouldn't it? Get your orders and you're on your way. Report to Mars Base 11. Your tickets are waiting at the gate. Joe Dixon, the cave goblin, will meet you at the hotel bar. Yes, ma'am, on the way. Convert the native population. I will do my able best. 
protect the endangered elephants in this national park for the rest of my life? Yes, of course, that's the job. Join a thousand-generation cult pledged to terraform a harsh new planet. It is my duty. March up to Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go? Well, somebody's got to do it. Who am I to argue with a mission from God? Besides, my brother Aaron will do the talking because for whatever mysterious reason, someone who cannot talk has been chosen to speak for the Lord. Aaron is a semi-mythical biblical figure who is nonetheless the blood patriarch to the priestly Cohen line. An interesting thing about the Aaronites, the descendants of Moses' brother Aaron, is that they most likely wrote the parts of the Torah that gave their paternal line exclusive high priest rights. The direct line to God. The Hebrew God later upgraded to be the universal creator God. That's a lot of religious power. And in an Iron Age theocracy, that meant all the political power, too. Transmissions come in many ways. Weird lights in the desert brush for Moses. Circles of multicolored fire in the sky for Ezekiel. A column of fire for the wanderers in the wilderness. Baffling lights over the desert highway, over the road to Damascus. The beam of pink light that set off years of strange visions and prophecies in Philip K. Dick. A 13-year-old French girl is bathed in a column of light as voices speak strange prophecy that only she can hear. She will become known to the world as Joan of Arc. A light turns on in your brain. That's how the big ideas arrive. And then you say, I have seen the light. The Virgin of Fatima was an entity of blinding white light communicating wordlessly to the three shepherd children, the children who promised a miracle for the masses on October 13, 1917. So when tens of thousands, maybe a hundred thousand people arrived at this Portuguese town, They witnessed something brighter than the sun appearing on this overcast day with rain drenching the crowd as it stood in the puddles and stood in the mud. There were reporters from Paris and London. Professors. Theologians. Farmers and the faithful. And they all witnessed the bizarre phenomena which included the muddy pastures and standing rainwater turning to warm, dry ground in a matter of minutes. 
Their wet clothing was instantly dried by the intense heat radiated by the spinning disc, hovering just over the crowd. People were recoiling from the spectacle and the waves of heat, many more kneeling in prayer, wailing in terror. World War I would begin the following summer. Sixteen million people would die in the trenches by genocide, by starvation. The Spanish flu claimed another 50 million lives. Václav Havel, the former president of Czechoslovakia and the leader of the Velvet Revolution, had an experience like this himself. He said these experiences surface again and again in the cultural achievements of humanity and often in individual human experiences as well. scarcely understand they transcend what a person might know in himself or inherit from his ancestors. It seems rather as if something like an antenna were picking up signals from a physically indeterminable transmitter that contains the experience of the entire human race. Philip K. Dick called it Vallis. Vast, active, living intelligence system. Carl Jung named it the collective unconscious. We don't know what it is, and we don't know if it's divinely inspired, because we can't agree on what divine means. But it's real, and it's there. And if you hunger for knowledge... The gates will be found open, eventually. Maybe when you're looking for it least. Every door in the house of wisdom open to all those who try the lock. All of these contact types, religions, rituals, sacrifice, prayer, pleading protocols developed over tens of thousands of years. We are something like a loose priesthood. Those of us who attempt such things. Those of us who open our ears to listen. Or maybe they're the priesthood. Whatever it is behind the blinding lights and the voices and the visions, the ghostly figures who walk through walls and lead the baffled human to the mystery ship hovering above. The little columns of machine elves marching around when we open a particular door in the mind. The blue goblins that led medieval German miners to their death. The relationship is unsettled, unclear from our side anyway. Maybe it makes more sense from their side, maybe to some of them. Maybe they're us from another time, from another dimension. They've always been right here with us here on Earth. This is their home, too. 
the natural or supernatural habitat for an intelligence that has accompanied mankind since the beginning of our time and has chosen to demonstrate itself or themselves to us on occasion and possibly through great effort, great use of energy and light, electrical plasma, transmission of information and mood directly to the contactee's consciousness. Such contacts have always occurred upon the wilderness civilization interface, as we call it now, the frontier between the built environments of mankind and the natural earthly environments. Intelligence is deeply and significantly different than us. There is not a human alive who can tell you with certainty whether the intelligence is artificial, natural, generated by our own consciousness, generated by an external consciousness, or even extraterrestrial or transdimensional. The earthly names we have given such entities are just that, names and not scientific descriptions. One person's god is another person's goblin. A shiny metallic craft reported by a military pilot might be a brilliant chariot pulled by sky monsters in the eyes of an axial age prophet. And neither are likely physical craft, the things that exist in a stable state of matter or being. For 70 years, the UFO cult has chased rumors of nuts and bolts interplanetary spacecraft visiting Earth from some other solar systems, other galaxies, and we've got nothing. But in that time, across those 70 years of technological marvels and spiritual collapse, we have constructed interplanetary spacecraft. And we have visited and landed upon other worlds, moons, and planets, and asteroids. And with the twin Voyager craft, we have now traveled beyond our solar system. We have counted nearly 4,000 exoplanets, the first of those in the 1990s, only a quarter century ago. We, the Earth people, have computed a likely number of Earth-sized, potentially habitable planets based on the nearly 4,000 discovered planets and 3,000 discovered star systems detected by our space telescopes. And that number now stands at 11 billion planets, just in our own galaxy, the Milky Way. Which is especially beautiful this week this moonless week out on the desert. Every human being alive today could have their own habitable planet in the Milky Way and four billion Earth-sized planets in the habitable zone could still be set aside as wilderness, galactic, natural parks and preserves. That's if we don't kill off this planet first. A galaxy of incredible adventure and discovery awaits humanity in the coming decades and centuries. We are closer to the likely time of human colonies on Mars and the Moon than we are to World War II or I Love Lucy or I Want to Hold Your Hand or Watergate or Reagan vs. Carter. 
gods, ETs, devils, angels, ghosts, elves, pixies, chupacabras, sasquatch, skinwalkers, sprites, reptilians, tall Nordics, greys, motherships, Mother Mary. Early contacts in early human civilization established a protocol, a pantheon of tricksters and saviors and jealous gods demanding sacrifice and allegiance. And this protocol was built upon an ongoing process of revelations in the wild desert outside the great cities. The founding of the great monotheistic religions, the modern and ancient folklore regarding rumored alien visitations, anthropological evidence such as petroglyphs and intaglios, we are convinced the protocol is deeply attached to our species and is the basis for the limited and mysterious relationship we have with the intelligence or entities. The details and names change, but the basics remain unchanged. As Jesus commanded his disciples, come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. It was advice he himself repeatedly followed alone in desert wilderness. Evidence suggests the most fruitful place to continue the work of communication with the entities and intelligences is a physical and spiritual anchoring in the desert wilderness. We must act as part priesthood, part anthropologist. We engage in cleverness or deception at our peril and with no record of success. The last words you want to hear from a god are the next time you see me coming, you better run. These encounters across time and across cultures and largely across the deserts that make up one-third of our planet's landmass should be remembered and should be studied with an open heart and an open mind because these events contain a code. Not a numerical puzzle, not a riddle to be solved. The code consists of patterns and variations that may well add up to a revelation that comes seemingly out of the blue. It may concurrently occur around the world as great scientific leaps are so often dreamed up at the same time by far-flung researchers. What is called multiple discovery or simultaneous independent invention. That's why Nobel Prizes in the sciences so often are split between two or three researchers from different continents and different approaches. Through serendipity, coincidence, synchronicity. What will it mean when we know how it works? Our ongoing work is to study and disseminate occurrences of interest to this field of study. These occurrences may or may not display typical attributes of a religious or paranormal experience. They may exhibit their presence through the creation of beautiful and influential art, such as the New Mexico paintings by Georgia O'Keeffe, or the matter-of-fact testimony from professional pilots after experiences with brilliant and intelligently controlled lights in the open sky. Whether there are naturally evil or chaotic elements is unknown. 
Did Charles Manson receive sinister instructions from the super spectrum? Or did his mind and spirit, ruined by human cruelty, pervert vague messages into instructions for setting off a global race war that he would wait out in the desert? What about the consistent appearance of death cults when society is fraying? The violent cults worshipping Cali the Destroyer and La Santa Muerte. These returns to sacrificial rites, gifts to goddesses of death and destruction. to Desert Oracle Radio broadcasting from Joshua Tree, California. You may be listening to the program on your car radio, on your portable radio around a campfire, in a cabin, on base, in a monastery cell or a prison cell, on the road, on the run. If you like podcasts, subscribe to our podcast using the service of your choice, whether iTunes or Stitcher or TuneIn. You'll find the entirety of our first season, 35 episodes, and the entirety of our new season, our second, as we create it. If you're in the California desert next month, we direct your attention to the holy night of Halloween, Wednesday at 7 p.m., October 31, when I will be at the campfire bringing campfire stories back to the Ace Hotel in Palm Springs. It's an all-spooky story night. We've got a bar set up right there outside. You can order food from the King's Highway. There will be trick-or-treating for the youngsters. Oh, and maybe the Yucca Man will be hanging around in the shadows. So keep your small dogs close at hand. Small children, too. Use the code DESERTORACLE when you're reserving a room at the Ace, and you'll get a nice discount. Spend the difference on a cocktail or two. There will be additional Campfire Stories events, both up here in the high desert and also at the Ace Hotel throughout the autumn and winter. But Halloween is the first one, Wednesday, October 31st. We will have information on all such things at our website, desertoracle.com. Desert Oracle Radio broadcasts live on KCDZ 107.7 FM in the Mojave High Desert and is also distributed by PRX, Public Radio Exchange, worldwide. Thanks to Red, Blue, Black, Silver for tonight's soundscapes. And 
good night from the Voice of the Desert. <laughs>